0: Cityscape is supported by the Museums of Lower Manhattan, located south of Houston Street. Only a stone's throw from the World Trade Center site, Chinatown is still rebounding from the impact of the 9-11 attacks. Hi, I'm George Boracchi. Coming up next, a special Cityscape to mark the five-year anniversary of the attacks.
1: Hi, my name is Christina Seed. And my family owns the original Chinatown Ice Cream Factory, which is located at 65 Bayard Street in Manhattan's Chinatown. Uh, I'm 25 years old, and I've been working here since I was 12. And over the past few months, I kept an audio diary and interviewed friends and fellow Chinatown business owners about how life has changed in the five years since the September 11th attacks. And here's my story Hi, can I help you? We have to on to one scoop. Sure. Would you like a copper or oh, a Copper cone. Cone. cone? sugar or wafer? Or sugar. Sugar, sure. This morning, when I came to work, um, I greeted my neighbor who owns Moon House, which is the business right next door to us. Um, and when I left, I had a very pleasant surprise. Um, I don't even know her name and we don't even speak the same language. I mean, she's from Shanghai and uh but we know we have a unsaid understanding that we both know how hard each other works because we see each other in the morning, we see each other at night. We understand that having a small business is so difficult. And to make a long story short, when I went, when I left my business or when I was ready to go home, she had brought me some siu uh, long bao, which are like the soup dumplings, from her uh, place of business. And uh, I told her that I didn't want it, that I didn't order anything. But she, she said that it was from her and in what a little English that she knew, and that it, w- it was because she, she knew I had a long day. And I was just so touched by the gesture. This is what a community is about, and these are like the small stories that really touch me. <laughs> One of my fond memories of the World Trade Center was when I went up to the observation deck with my good friend Vinny before I had departed to start my first year at uh, UMass Amherst. He told me that he wanted to take me up there because he wanted me to take a look at New York City before I had left and it was just a beautiful view and that was actually the only time in my life that I went up to the observation deck and New York looks so different from all the way up there and we pointed to Chinatown and we could even see Chinatown from there and uh, we're trying to see where the ice cream store was but of course you couldn't see it but it was a lot of fun. It's sad that it was, it's not there anymore. My house um, that I grew up in was in Little Neck and my neighbor that lived directly across the street from me named Jim was really good friends with my father it's not, it doesn't really have to do that much with the Chinatown community but more so with the greater New York City area. He was a firefighter but he had retired and because something really bad had happened he had gone in and he, ha- he was missing so my dad was kind of upset but he was like confident that he'd come home but he never did which was really sad because I miss him because he was like a really great neighbor. I mean one time my grandma had locked herself out of the house and she had left the stove on and there was a fire inside and he just broke the door down. I mean this is what a good firefighter is and it's just really terribly unfortunate that like he passed away in the World Trade Center and my heart goes out to his family. I guess most of us in New York City tend to put it behind us so that we could go on with our lives even though it's still affects us. Today is March twenty-fifth and it's eleven AM and I just got ready to go out. Um I think that I'm gonna go to a cafe or something and organize my thoughts because I don't know. It helps me clear my mind in the morning. But I've been really exhausted so I've been a little bit delinquent about keeping this radio diary, which I know is really bad. But um, it's been really stressful because I've had to hire, like, some new workers. And it's been really stressful because it's a lot harder than people think. And it's much harder than teaching elementary school because these kids are 17, 18 years old. Or some of them are even older. It's in their 20s. And um, most of them are seniors in high school or are, um, college freshmen, sophomores, etc., and they come in with this attitude like scooping ice cream is so easy and a lot of them are really wrong about that. I have very few that catch on quickly. Apply pressure. See, like, you know how it's like rounded? Mm-hmm. Just apply pressure, see, and then it will be, just be round. See, you, you just touch it and you expect it to be like round. Mm-hmm. Press down for a, minute, for a second, then press down. Yes, everyone thinks that scooping ice cream is such a simple task. Little do they know that, I mean, these people practice for like an hour and they still can't scoop a cup or a cone. Don't worry, you're not the first one. (laughs) Yes, I'm going to introduce you to one of my employees, uh, Frank Wang. Um, We're going to do this interview while he's working because today is March 28th at 4.30, and his shift is not over till 5 o'clock, and he has a lot of things to do. But, um, (laughs) Frank, tell us how you got the job here.
2: I got the job from my mentor. I had a school program with uh, Rochester Technology.
1: Oh, my God, not Rochester Technology. It's, It's not? Frank's so funny, he still doesn't know what school we went to. Do. But it's right, so the University Rochester. of Rochester. Yo, same day. It's okay. Right. He's always a jokester, but let me give you back to Frank.
2: Anyway, yeah, he, he told me that the, it was a job that a friend of his could offer me. So I was like, hey, why not hit me up? <laughs> so I got here, and yeah, it's a lot more work than I thought it would be. Like, I had no idea scooping ice cream could be this hard. Like I, they had this 15-minute test thing where you have to put a scoop of ice cream in a cup. Yeah, I completely failed that. Like, wow. But I mean, it was really hard in the beginning. Like, I got yelled at, I got scolded, you know. But I tried, you know. I had I had to keep my mentor's reputation up, so yeah, I tried. And then you know, I got the hang of it eventually. I I, I am still a a little bad, but you know, trying is all that matters, you know.
1: Yeah, I like to listen to Chinese music, even though I don't know a word of what they're saying. But um, I also want to mention um, that I'm really grateful that my employee, Sophia, came back to work because she was sick for two weeks. And after the first day, I had missed her so much that I had sent her a basket of cookies from Harry and David, telling her that we hope that she gets well soon because... um, Good workers are very hard to find and I had also got the rest of the employees to also have signed a card and, get, and we mailed it out to her saying how much we missed her and how much we appreciated her work. I've also been a little bit stressed out because I have work always on my mind with this type of thing and also I'm moving so we're trying to close on this house that we decided on and it's just a long process and I just want to get it over with and things are never so simple in life so I've been trying to manage my personal problems my business problems and sometimes it seems like a lot so I gotta go and clear my mind sometimes and I usually write in my journal and my dad's really helpful my dad's a big influence on like on positive things in my life Actually, I could talk to him about everything. Me and my sister always call him our mad because he's like a mom and a dad in one because my mom and dad are divorced and we don't see our mom anymore. But um, my dad is really inspirational because he cares so much about us. And he would basically, you could talk to him about anything, And people are really surprised how cool my dad is. Hi, I'd like to introduce you to my personal hero, my dad, Philip Seed. But um, today we're going to talk a little bit about World Trade Center. Um, So, Dad, that day, where were you?
0: Well, I was in Queens at that time, and I was going to come into the city when I saw on TV the World Trade Center being attacked, and... uh, that changed my plans for the entire day in fact the whole week
1: so was any was there any like inconveniences well there must have been like in terms of getting to work since we live in Queens
0: yes there were restrictions on a number of people coming into Manhattan uh they would search the car or at least examine who was in the car coming into Manhattan to avoid uh further uh problems in the
1: city. Hi, this is my friend Patrick, who uh, is in charge of taking care of our website and all my technical fiascos. He comes and fixes my cash register or does my surveillance cameras. He's like my all-around tech guy. But um, to make a long story short, he he lives in Chinatown, and I want to talk about how his family was affected after 9-11.
2: Well, yeah, basically after 9-11... My mom used to, my mom does a seamstress and then after 9-11, I guess business got slow and there wasn't as much work for the seamstresses and eventually she just stopped working since there was a lack of uh, work so, and then right now she's just uh, collecting funds from my brothers and sisters, living off of that for now and looking for other jobs.
1: How close would you say the proximity of your home is to to the 9-11 World Trade Center site?
2: I would say it's only about 5-10 minutes away, so
3: it's that close.
1: Hi, I'm here today with my friend William Dow from the Chinese Museum of the Americas. Immediately after 9-11, can you think of how um, you saw the businesses change or, you know, some businesses have won out since 9-11 or how some of the restaurants that you eat at or whatever have suffered?
0: I come from a, I guess, interesting perspective because I was away for 9-11 and didn't and only know of the area before and after, you know, not during Um, because I was away in college. And before, you know, the streets were, you know, hustle and bustle. It's like impossible to get through Chinatown streets. And then like coming back, I just remember how empty it was. And um, that was really shocking for me. Um, My parents, my family, I should say, actually had a uh, had a store in Chinatown um, on the outskirts, like along Bowery, that had to close because um, because of the, the events. Um, so I know personally it was um, really hard for, you know, not only us, but like a lot of families, um, a lot of um, businesses, small businesses especially, um, were hard hit.
1: Oh that's so interesting I didn't even know that your family had a small business even though you know I know you from here yeah. would you like to tell us about uh, what kind of business it was or mm. about your family
0: yeah um well we st- it, it was really a kind of dry goods you know um kind of sell everything <laughs> type of store but uh, it was an operation for about let's see I want to say like over a dozen years, well, no, over two dozen years, I want to say. So it was like a long time, and so it it was uh, uh, um, especially difficult, you know, for for us during that period.
1: A few weeks ago, uh, a gentleman came in, that uh, gave us a survey, actually about 9-11, and it had questions about how the Chinatown community was affected and how our business was affected and what government programs have helped us. And I actually filled it out, and he said he was going to come back the next day, but he actually never came back to pick it up. And I I was just staring at it the other day, and I was just wondering if he ever is going to pick it up. But uh, I was looking over the questions... And I think the hardest question that I had to answer was, what were the positive things that Chinatown received as small businesses? I don't really know what they really received. I mean, I know personally our business did not receive very much money from the government. I was talking to my father about it actually the other night and what he thought about it. Chinese people, they work off such a low profit margin. And... They depend so much on volume, they charge less than mcdonald 's, but they give you a premium meal. I mean, they charge three hundred and fifty for beef and broccoli over rice, so they have to have a lot of people that come in that day to order that beef and broccoli over rice or whatever and The thing is that nine eleven they just didn 't have that volume coming in like the tourists or people um, outside the area coming into Chinatown to buy those things and I think it really did hurt their businesses a lot. It hurt our business, but not so much as other people's businesses. I think a lot of Asian people need to work together, and I think that's where a lot of Chinatown was lacking because the people who spoke English, they should have spoke out more during 9-11 and talked about how the community needed money. But I think it was very hard because... Sometimes when you own a business, you're so involved in just running your own business that sometimes you don't stop to think about how you could be involved in the Chinatown community or the greater Chinatown community. Have
0: a great day. Thank you. Oh my
1: Manhattan's Chinatown, five years after 9-11 attacks. I'm Christina Seed, and this is my story. Hi, I'm here to introduce you to my friend Kenneth. Um, He also lives in the Chinatown community, and um, can you talk about how, like, I know you went to Baruch, like, if your classmates were affected, or if you saw anyone, like, whose uncle passed away, because I know you weren't... So much directly affected in someone passing away, but um, or changes in the community.
3: Okay, I remember then when I was in college, when I was going to class, uh, when they heard, when all the students heard that um, the World Trade Center was attacked, um, some students were deeply upset because um, they knew um, friends, relatives working there and um, I was just really distraught to see students crying and um, I was just deeply hurt that day.
1: Where were you during
3: 9-11? Um, <clears throat> actually I was at home watching the news um, um, at that time and I had um, I was getting phone calls from friends and some were actually really upset and others were just uh, wondering if I knew that that was going on.
1: Was your family like affected in terms of uh, finances or did your family receive any financial aid from the government like FEMA?
3: Yes, my family did receive uh, aid such as FEMA and um, um, I think they were giving out uh, air conditioners and air purifiers and vacuum cleaners at that time.
1: How far would you say you live?
3: I'd say uh, I lived about about a half-an-hour walk from the uh, World Trade Center.
1: Do you think that um, the government did enough for the, the, chi- the Chinatown community as a whole, like the small businesses?
3: No, actually, I feel that they didn't do enough for uh, the Chinatown community. Because um, you see a lot of—well, uh, actually, I saw a lot of businesses close. Because I know a lot of Chinese families that are working class, right? And then as soon as that happened, they were just out of, the, out of their businesses. Um, like such as um, the Chinatown Bank that's right by Park Row, you can see now that's replaced by a Hip Cup Cafe. I'm sh- pretty sure that Asian people uh, and Asian family doesn't own that business.
4: Okay, hi, my name is Victoria Chan. I'm 19 years old and I live in Chinatown.
1: Yeah, Victoria used to work. Well, she works for us on and off, but she is the, called the ex princess of Chinatown because um, her father is. um,
4: He's the president of the Chinese Consolidated Benevolent Association, which is also like the unofficial mayor of Chinatown.
1: Yeah, I like Victoria because the first day she came here, I didn't know who she was. And I told her, you have 15 minutes and you have to get down and dirty and get your, you know, scoop the ice cream and clean the bathroom or whatever. Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, she was actually willing to do these things. But, um... She knows a lot about the Chinatown community because she lives right across the street and she's very involved in the community. Um, she does the lion dancing and stuff. So, um, what changes have you seen after 9 11?
4: Um, I remember after 9-11, it was like a dead city in Chinatown, and it was very difficult because we saw, like, Hummers roll by, and it seemed like a war scene. And it did take a long time for, you know, like, all the air to clear up, and it was very difficult, and business was very difficult as well. Um, I remember Robert De Niro tried to do a downtown, a, a dinner downtown, where he brought a lot of people um, down to Chinatown, and we had performances. We, they brought them to restaurants and shops, so, you know, try to bring more economy back to Chinatown, but it's still
1: very difficult right now do you think that there's anything that um, you would like to see them do that they could um, you know for tourism or just to bring people back to the businesses in
4: Chinatown I think um, nightlife would be really cool because in Little Italy they have um, they block off the streets on Fridays and Saturday nights and people just walk and it just looks very comfortable there with a lot of lights. And Chinatown seems to close after seven eight o'clock. So if there's more nightlife here, I think more clubs and more bars, and we would have
1: a lot of fun. I want to introduce you to my friend Jameson Gall.
5: I was born and raised in Chinatown, and I still live here, so a lot of my friends actually moved out. So I am guess I'm, I'm one of the few people still born and raised and living in Chinatown. Uh, I give walking tours around Chinatown. Uh, I do that part-time, and I decided about five years ago to try to give back to the community. So right now, our tours have grown. We meet tourists from around the world. I also... Uh, Do comedy shows. I'm a stand up comedian, and my show, uh, Take Out Comedy, is basically the premier Asian American comedy showcase in the world. We started here in Chinatown initially to try to revitalize the nightlife after 9 11. Probably the biggest change, positive change, that I probably uh, remember right now is right after 9 11, because it was necessary for a lot of us to work together, it brought the community closer. Before 9 11, a lot of these uh, associations, these, these, these groups, they didn't want to work with each other, they had like whether it was bad blood or bad history, but after 9-11 we were forced to work together. So I remember going to some of these meetings that the NYC and company organized, so a lot of these groups were there, you see a lot of community leaders there, and a lot of them actually started talking to each other, working together to try to help rebuild Chinatown.
1: Hi, I'm here with my friend Carmen and we just finished eating congee. But uh, we met each other through the Explore Chinatown campaign, which was developed after 9/11. And Carmen, um, when was the kickoff exactly? Uh,
6: well, actually, the kickoff started in uh, March of 2004, and uh, basically, the Explore Chinatown campaign was funded by the September 11th Fund and the LMDC. Um, it was a two million dollar, uh, two year campaign basically to um, revitalize uh, Chinatown, also to bring um, tourists and visitors to the area um, because a lot of the businesses were affected um, post-9-11. And uh, it's just kind of a campaign to bring people back into the area. Some of the initiatives, um, first and foremost, was really um, informing the media, um, and this included uh, New York local media as well as national media, basically of um, getting them aware of the uh, you know the, the area in Chinatown and how it was affected because a lot of people don't realize that a lot of these businesses were hurt by uh, 9/11 um, because Chinatown is so close in proximity to um, you know the World Trade Site so yeah basically the, you know they closed off Park Row which was a street um, where people a lot of times from the Wall Street area the financial district would walk over during their lunch lunch hour to walk and um, you know, be patrons of the Chinatown restaurants. So that also, um, you know, a lot of that business was gone since they closed, closed the road off to pedestrians. Um, one of the initiatives um, was the uh, website. We, we started a website called Explore Chinatown, and um, it's www.explorechinatown.com. And basically, this was uh, this website. You know, contains um, a map of Chinatown. Um, you know, listings of local restaurants and uh, museums. Uh, of course, you know the Chinatown Ice Cream Factory <laughs> is, uh, is a great place to visit. Um, the thing was, you know, not only was Chinatown kind of unknown to um, to people visiting New York for the first time, but also local New Yorkers didn't really have a clear idea of what Chinatown was like. Uh, So, you know, the map really helped. Also getting people aware of the, um, you know, the hundreds of restaurants and bakeries and tea houses and all the different kinds of things that Chinatown has to offer. And also another, you know, big initiative was the um, promoting the kiosk. We actually built um, an information kiosk in Chinatown. um, And, uh, you know, it took a lot of planning and work, but, you know, it paid off in the end. Um, It's really kind of like a point where um, tourists meet, or visitors meet, and there's a big map of Chinatown on the side of the kiosk. Um, also, there are um, two people that work in the kiosk and, you know, are there to answer questions. Can I ask a question? Where would be the, like, main entrance to Chinatown, would you say? I'll have a main entrance. Okay. For the place to go. So, yeah, is there any place that you'd recommend definitely going to see?
1: Carmen was actually the first person I spoke to about the Chinatown, uh, Explore Chinatown campaign. She was the first one to contact me, and I was actually really, really skeptical of how much they were going to do. So I just brushed it off like it was just going to be a one-time deal, because Chinatown never really had anything like that. But um, Carmen, in your experience, was it really hard to get a lot of the businesses to participate in, like, the Taste for Chinatown campaign or any of the projects that you held?
6: Well, Christina, to tell you the truth, you know, at first, um, you know, it is hard, um, especially number one being the language barrier, you know, lots of times. um, Although I am myself Chinese, um, you know, I would do most of my talking in English at first. um, And it's hard to uh, get people, you know, involved at first. You really have to describe what the campaign was about, um, you know, how we were, how marketing and public relations um, could, you know, help. Bring people back, um, you know, maybe not directly at first, but indirectly through um, through the media, through um, stories about Chinatown, stories about individual businesses, um, etc. Every
1: morning and every night. My father and I both make it a habit. And we're trying to get my sister to do it too. But especially me and my dad. Because business and life could be really stressful sometimes. That um, I have a grateful journal that I call gratitude. It's labeled gratitude. I have to uh, write at least five things that I'm grateful for. And my father and I, when we see each other, because we have opposite schedules, we try to tell each other why we're grateful for the day and today I'm grateful because I could wake up and I'm in good health and that's number one. Number two is because I have a business that's very successful and I'm able to give people jobs and work with my father. Number three is that um, I live in a safe and happy home. And Number four is that um, I have people who love me. And number five is I guess that, uh, you know, we're safe. I live in a safe environment. Right now, I'm just chilling at the store. Not really chilling. I'm more like working at the store, but I'm taking a little breather because it's about 5.45 and there's a little bit of a slow spell right now. In terms of tourism, it's kind of strange that, like, uh... (laughs) A lot of people think that Ground Zero is a tourist site, which I think is kind of it's kind of sad because the thing is that it, it's such a terrible thing happened and people are making it into like you know, just a tourist attraction or I don't know how, how I necessarily feel about that. But um, this is just how we have to deal with our so-called normalcy of how, you know, a- the aftermath of 9/11 and uh, New Yorkers cope with things pretty well, and it's something terrible that happened. But we always always have to find a way of going on with our lives, and uh, you know, continuing on because I think all those people that were involved with that tragedy, they would want the same for us. And I really think that this documentary was, or this radio diary, was a great opportunity because. Not only that I got to voice my opinions, but through interviewing people, I got to learn so much more about everybody else. And I educated myself a lot more about 9-11 because talking to people on these daily interactions, like when I meet these people, a lot of times they have to ask me, oh, get me lychee in a cone or red bean in a cup. It's nothing very serious or it's not something that you necessarily speak about. And I think only through asking these questions and through interviewing and through actually listening to this, that uh, I did, I learn something from them that I would never have learned before. So thanks, and I hope you guys enjoyed this. Bye. Christina Seed's family owns the original Chinatown ice cream factory on Bayard Street in Manhattan. Her audio diary was produced by WFUV's George Bodarkey with assistance from Jody Avergan and Olivia Ionescu.
0: Cityscape is supported by the Museums of Lower Manhattan, located south of Houston Street. The New York City Police Museum features an old-time jail cell, turn-of-the-century mugshots, and more. It's just one of the 15 unique museums of Lower Manhattan. More information at museums of